First Baptist Church of Venice was the backdrop of the Black Lives Matter protests a few weeks ago. The church was shuttered and looked to be on the path of demolishment. Speakers used this moment to discuss the injustices and the trauma that ensued. The First Baptist Church in Venice was a way station for people in need. 45 years after slavery had ended and the people made this a watchtower and refuge. Black, native, indigenous people were in Venice since 1910. Ask any of the identifiers or business improvement district employees and they will not be able to tell you. They cannot tell you, they can tell you how to enliven the area by getting the unhoused community out of the area. And as we know, the high percentage of people that are unhoused in Los Angeles, California are black and Latinx. The area for black and native was to, to survive, endure, and thrive and enjoy their existence when the world was not for their existence at all. Now we're in 2020 with the same struggle. Anti-unhoused sentiment is part of the movement now. The time is now to move and agitate, as Frederick Douglass said. Time to get into good trouble, as the recently departed John Lewis said. He also said something from 1963 March on Washington that I will paraphrase due to Trump kidnapping citizens and putting them in centers and the Project Root Key and recreation centers being ended and the eagerness of NIMBYs and law enforcement to criminalize the unhoused. Now, John Lewis said this, I want to know what side is the government on? The revolution is at hand and we must free ourselves of the chains of political and economic slavery. for welcoming me, the Venice community. Love you guys. It was really cool to learn about uh, what's going on over here. A lot of similarities. As Theo knows, what's happening in Chinatown, and that's where I was born. So I'm here uh, to represent Homeless Healthcare. It's the agency I work for. And uh, we've been trying to house people for the last 33 years, OK? services through uh, you know housing uh, through um, if they want to go to treatment and the main our main philosophy is that we are harm reduction you know so harm reduction meeting people where they are at so um, service providers our motivational interviewing tells us we need to meet people where they are at and this is what homeless health care does you know, we have a needle exchange downtown. Um, we've been running services through COVID. We've had the E16 hitting the streets. We've had our doctor and nurse practitioner out there um, testing people and, and giving a, 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 the unhoused people uh, some education and testing and, and um, Narcon kits and uh, pipes, clean pipes, because we're in the middle of a pandemic. We can't be sharing pipes right now. but. So what I do with homeless health care is they kind of have me in a unique area. I'm co-located 
at Twin Towers. I'm by myself, I'm away from my coworkers, and I have to put up with the cops for my people, okay? So all the stories, all the stories of these hashtags, I see them on a daily, on a daily, every day, Monday through Friday. And I get my repeats. Um, so, you know, um, the director wanted me to be here and um, we really wanted to say defund the police. Defund the police. Jackie must go. She's got to go. She needs to get out of there. So that they can be arrested, so that they can be harassed. 
in 2020, a report came out saying that a third of the police use of force in Los Angeles was against homeless people, despite a tiny fraction of the people of the total police encounters being with homeless people. And this is because people are using these opportunities to move people out of their neighborhoods. We need to, people who are here, who live in Venice, talk to your neighbors. Tell them that there's no need to call the police because someone's having a mental health crisis. news. West Valley panel on Monday, July 20th at 3 p.m. I was a panelist on there and I noticed the imbalance of power that was accorded to me. I was invited, which I graciously accepted, but I also could not help but notice the lion's share of the time was people that had not experienced of houselessness. They were trouting out dog whistles that were demonizing unhoused people and into that end, I felt I had to scrap my speech and to speak from the realities of the situation. But in particular, unhoused vigilantism, which Mayor Eric Garcetti skips over and returned the onus back onto unhoused people. In other news, Governor Newsom announces $600 million to help house the unhoused. Up for change for the negative and anti-trans rule to discriminate against trans women. This is due to Ben Carson, who is a part of this uh, movement. This will reverse Obama-era rule on the issue. It also attacks gender identity uh, community. A trans woman will be forced to go to a men's shelter. Ex-police officer John Rabager was sentenced to four years in prison for forcing an unhoused man to lick a public urinal. Robaga threatened to beat the man and stuff his face in the toilet if he didn't lick the urinal. Reginald Ramones, the other officer, will be sentenced next week. In other news, unhoused veteran Caleb Harris delivers his own child in the car the family sleeps in. Upon hearing the news, Council President Nuri Martinez of Los Angeles took to Twitter saying this should not happen to any family. But her record shows that she has gone out of her way to demonize and use the dog whistle about her family while she criminalizes other unhoused families in the communities that she resides as well as oversee. In Ocola, Florida, the unhoused is racking up thousands of dollars in fines for being poor and unhoused. Some are going to jail. And this is unhoused news. These are all things you have in common with my cousin Brendan Glenn, who was murdered by an LAPD officer. Now I could talk about his case, I could talk about how the chief of police said in three different press conferences that this was a homicide and how Jackie Lacey stood in the way of justice and that she is the reason that so many families, at least 608 other families, have never gotten justice for the killings and the brutality that they have experienced. Yeah, f*** 
Jackie Lacey, seriously, God. But what I really want to talk about is how he lived. And I want you to understand how Brendan lived and who he was. Because when we say, say their names, we don't mean that you watch the video of them dying, that you watch life leave their eyes, you watch them screaming out to their mother in these vulnerable moments. We mean that you understand that they were alive and living like you. They had dreams like you. They had kids like you. They had parents like you. They went to school like you. These are human beings like you. And we used the terms, when Brendan was killed, they used terms like black homeless man, black homeless man, never using his name. And that was all to dehumanize him, to make it seem like because he was black and because he was experiencing homelessness in that time, his life was forgotten and not as important as someone else's. Right. So that is why we say, say their name. Because people will not be diminished to BuzzFeed articles and clickbait and taglines. These are human beings. So, say his name. Say his name. Thank you guys so much. Why doesn't everyone stop and do something, Mommy? And as we would drive and hike and walk through the streets of Venice, one of the now most affluent areas, in one of the most affluent cities, in one of the wealthiest states, in the richest country in the world, it was difficult as his parent to try and answer his questions, to make peace with his suffering, to explain injustice, inhumanity, and cruelty to a child. And now today, his little brother comes with equally difficult questions to answer, the hardest of which is, Daddy, when did they start not liking black people? And as we come together today on this ground to gather in memory of Brandon, in solidarity with unhoused lives and black lives, and in recognition of the American story so many of us have been hiding from or hidden by, the intersectionality of Brandon's story has become all of our stories. You see, Brandon's fate was sealed, like many of ours, by the twin evils of American society. The two pillars that we all walk through when we are born inside this country. The two components that, from inception, needed each other. Racism and capitalism. You cannot separate the two. One is an economic system that requires, that necessitates the exploitation of a set of people, and the other, race, is the means by which that set of people was created, then divided, and then subjugated. Brendan could have been in my family. It struck me how much we looked alike, 
He could have been my brother. And he, like me, is caught and trapped in the inescapable web of a country that devalued his existence on every level. To be poor and black in America is by design. It is, it is not an accident. It is by design. And I realize that many of us, for many years, too many years, have comfortably turned our heads from this ugly truth. But it is our truth, and we come together now in 2020 in the spirit of truth. We do come together in the spirit of truth, right? Okay. So Brandon's truth, and Margaret Mitchell's truth, and Richard Castillo's truth, and our unhoused have become the forgotten of the downtrodden. And there is no more time to run from the systematic economic deprivation that America's black people have been forced to endure, and the legacy of poverty that we are now viciously trapped in, relegated to housing projects, environmentally unsafe neighborhoods, reduced to being the unseen and unhoused, and locked out of the wealth acquisition the rest of the country has access to. For me, Brandon's case highlights two things, police brutality, excessive force, and the other is police protection and the government's repeated unwillingness to prosecute. Until we are ready to smash this system where district attorneys refuse to bring police in front of a jury, protected by probable cause and qualified immunity and my life was in danger and he was going for my gun and he had superhuman strength, then we will watch this story again and again and again. We have a system that must be changed when the color of my skin makes me suspicious and justifies a 911 call which ends up with me being dead when I have committed no crime. In, in Brendan's case, if you don't know, his murderer's own police chief recommended prosecution. The cop whose gun he was allegedly grabbing says he didn't feel anything. And an independent civilian review board recommended prosecution, and who comes in? Your finest DA, Jackie Lacey, to say, Yeah, and here she comes, like she has so many times before, to say, sorry, we don't have a case. We have a systems problem, people, and it is time for a new one. This is, this is now a revolution and a reckoning of the American story. The garbage story that for too long has had a vested interest in our separation. A story that from its very inception was rife with contradictions with the words freedom and justice for all, while black people had no semblance of freedom at the time, as we moved through history through a series of bondage, first chains and whips, then into fear, terror, and nooses, on through forced segregation, and into our modern day reality when someone can call the cops on me for anything they see as a threat, most notably the color of my skin. When our indigenous ancestors were all murdered or herded like cattle and marched together straight into homelessness, but the history that we are still force-fed in kindergarten leads us to believe that the America's original genocide was a fanciful tale of a great feast and a child's game of cowboys and Indians. It's bull Right. When the western lands we stand on were annexed by military might and taken from Mexico, a country that was still scarred from its 
own takeover by a different set of European colonizers, a country whose indigenous Aztec population had already been buried under disease and war and famine and the oppression of European colonial imperialism. America, whose stench of its origins excluded women from political process by design, excluded Asians from entering the country, our country, <laughs> under which the regime of Nazi Germany laid their blueprints after carefully studying United States Jim Crow laws, still stinks. When George Floyd was murdered, a piece of all of us died for real, and a protest began, and we stood. And the protest turned into an uprising, and the uprising turned into a movement. And now here we are, and the movement has become a revolution. And I said a few weeks ago that this is the resistance that is rising from George Floyd's last breaths. But now as I sit with the protests that have become the largest protest movement in American history, let that sink in, people. We are now a part of the largest social movement for equality in American history. Every state of the union is rising up. And I realize that not only do we have each other as accomplices in the fight, but we have the collective force of our millions of ancestors guiding us. Yeah. To, quote, to quote one of my heroes, James Baldwin, and I'm quoting, America, all of your buried corpses are beginning to speak. And the corpses are asking that we fight more than police brutality. Our answers are asking that we fight more than 400 years of colonial occupation. We are now here fighting for a way of life. We are fighting against the belief system that has pitted us against each other. That teaches little boys and little girls that their only choices are on the margins and in the edges. We are gathering to break down the polarities that America has chosen for us that have so profoundly divided us against the words that only serve to deny our togetherness and simultaneously strip us of our uniqueness. We are fighting for acceptance, all of us fighting for recognition of the spaces that exist in between where we can safely love each other in the middle. We are fighting for a new way of life and everybody out there, silence is no longer an option. People of color and Brandon and the poor have been forced to live on the edges and choked and starved from the center and we cannot escape it and privately, in the darkest hour of night, white people know this truth too. And that's why you are here. You too know that the level of hate and subjugation that has been around the necks of your BIPOC brothers and sisters is no longer sustainable. And the senseless and inhumane deaths that we now see daily have jolted you, have shocked you, and you are now waking up and you too will not have it un any longer. And you are tapping in to our collective pain and our collective suffering and we will heal it with love.
this is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused. I'm here at the protest today for uh, celebrating Unhoused Black Lives Matter as among other issues. In the studios today, I'm here interviewing a gentleman that had some powerful words to say um, in the midst of our ending of the protest. So let us get his name and figure out what's going on. Yeah, hi, my name is Sultan. It's S-U-L-T-A-N, last name is Sharif, S-H-A-R-R-I-E-F, as in Frank. You mentioned that um, people didn't get to know the unhoused community here. Uh, what was your what, what brought that insight off? Well, um, so I've been working on in the block for the last since the beginning since March 26. Mm -hmm. um, I live on Dudley in Venice, or, um, and then as soon as they, I used to work in Michigan and uh, like tourism through the Michigan Film Office, right, right. and so you know we do economic multipliers and economic impact stuff like that. So as soon as they announced they're closing the boardwalk, I'm like, that's interesting. That's, a, that's there's 10, 10 million visitors to the Venice Beach boardwalk every year. Mm -hmm. What's gonna happen then? Then they said they're closing all of the restaurants. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, but that food feeds like there's 800,000 visitors a month eating at various restaurants. What's going to happen then? Yeah. And there's a drug version of that network. And, right? <laughs> and then they close the libraries oh, and, yeah. and, the, and all of the indoors inside of Starbucks, mm -hmm. which has the infrastructure for people charging their phones. Exactly. Right. And so like what's going to happen then? Mm -hmm. So immediately as I as soon as I hear that my brain, because of my old job, goes to like all of these services that are going to need somebody to replace them and all of these resources. Mm -hmm. So I'm waiting around for the semis to come rolling in or mm -hmm. something, you know, to, to help, for, to help. Right, right. Nothing. First mm -hmm. weekend. And then I start seeing people who I know, I've been living there 10 years, fighting and different things. Mm -hmm. He took this tent, and all, then they released 1,100 people from LA County, mm -hmm. and then they all hit the block. Yeah. So I came out, saw this young man um, singing who had just gotten released in flip-flops, mm -hmm. and they didn't even tell him what COVID was. Yeah, he was like, why are people wearing masks? I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then he hit the block in like downtown, mm -hmm. then, was, then came to Hollywood, and then came landed in Venice. So mm -hmm. I ended up starting this whole project with him, um, trying to document a lot of the stuff. But um, but anyway, so so since then, March 26, all of April, I got I ended up getting a fight with my friend, so I ended up homeless for a month. Mm -hmm. um, April, although I was privileged enough to have family who were able to get me a hotel or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so all of April, found a spot in May, and then now all of June. And then, and so as I'm working with everybody and trying to help people work on various little plans, we tried to build a unit that ended up getting run over by a pickup truck in a threatening oh, wow. block type way. Um, another brother trying to work with him. We started a little mobile mosque, helping people get access to instruments, use the phone, use the library. You know, the libraries are closed, getting people power. And so anyway, so then, all, then Eric, you know, um, the thing happens with George Floyd, yeah. and so everything blows up. Exactly. And so now everyone forgets about COVID, and they all start like coming outdoors, mm -hmm. right? But they've been struggling on the block. People drop off food. They do drop off food, but a lot of what people need, like a, a way to use the phone regularly, a way to, uh, um, you know, just very basic things outside of just dropping off your Whole Foods bag because you bought, which is lovely and beautiful and mm -hmm. absolutely necessary. So anyway, so then that's been a big thing, a lot of trying to document, trying to, I've tried eight or nine different ways and failed to put out some sustainable resources. The whole time I'm thinking like, I'm just gonna wait for the giant nonprofit. To, yeah, 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 and, and yeah. Urban Alchemy does some cool stuff. They have showers that bounce on a different day every mm -hmm. every week, some mm -hmm. brothers, um, Muslim brothers. Uh, 
they have uh, two bathrooms and washing station that are always on third and rows. Mm-hmm. They're out there for like 12 hours a day. Right. Um, actually, more than that, I think 7 a.m. to, I don't know, maybe it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. But anyway, they, they're fully manned. They're mm-hmm. cleaned regularly. So there's a bunch of people doing beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. But in short, like there's three places to charge your phone yeah. in like a three-mile radius. You got to wait in line like an hour. If you don't get in the shower line soon enough, mm-hmm. you could end up going two to three weeks because they, it goes on a different block. And you can't just roll up on somebody else's block and get in front of the shower exactly. line. So you have to wait your turn when it's on your block. So if that one day you don't get it, especially the elderly and the person I was working with has a hernia, mm-hmm. right, he's not making it to the front of the line. Mm-hmm. And there's all these people who need to shower. Mm-hmm. So then he misses that week. Then he misses the next week. Okay. You know, and then he misses the third week. Mm-hmm. So then I'm trying to work with him on buildings and stuff. And he's like, I can't take a shower. Mm-hmm. And you close the beaches or at least turned off the hot water mm-hmm. there. So unless he's down to run and jump in the ocean or like take a cold <laughs> shower in front well, of He's everybody. already disabled. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that's that's the... <laughs> so anyway, so it's that type of stuff that you're seeing and yeah. you're experiencing in this true story mm-hmm. of these individuals. And each one is unique mm-hmm. to their challenges, be it like, you know, family issues, mental health issues, drug issues, whatever, it, personality yeah. issues, just yeah. sometimes whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And so then in navigating and trying to work within that, you know, boom, George Floyd happens and people take to the streets and they're demanding justice and they're demanding all of these things, mm-hmm. but they're walking past all of the people who are going through all of the things that they are demanding. Yeah. And and it's sort of like a, a call to action mm-hmm. is happening. And all of this is 100% necessary, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like for from the vantage point of the person on the street mm-hmm. for the last, I don't know, what have we been in, four weeks? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're looking like, okay, oh, beautiful. Thank you for showing up. Okay, Black Lives Matter, thank you for showing up. Mm-hmm. Week two, Black Lives Matter, thank mm-hmm. you for showing up. Week three, Black Lives Matter, thank you so much for showing up. You still haven't taken a shower, you mm-hmm. right? You still barely, you know, eating cold food mm-hmm. that's left over. Your phone got stolen because these new cats hit the block, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't kind of know thing, who things are and you don't really know who they are mm-hmm. and you think they're over there by the by the, the golf course mm-hmm. or he might be over there on down by this place, but he might kick it with that guy, but I don't want to him and he pick it with that guy because right. then that might make some energy that I'm not trying to get into. So anyway, it's all, you know, these politics. Right? Oh, yeah, and so there, this is the reality of their lives. So mm-hmm. then this one was homeless focused, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, and we're talking about infrastructure and government mm-hmm. and all of these things with some of these other elements on the block. You know, three people got kicked off the block Saturday. Yeah. Most people don't even know what that means. And that's not getting talked about. And so that means that you're, it's being enabled to happen. And it's traumatizing for it's traumatizing. Because the gentleman, I noticed, because I'm unhoused too. So right. I, I, trust me, all of the stuff that's been going on with you had, I was unhoused uh, and I had uh, injured my ankle and I was on a walker. And when the, the day it happened, like in Chinatown, everything shut down. I had to hobble like for two damn hours, try to find a bathroom. Right. I'm not even talking about going to the, uh, the, the restaurants or going, because I had Snap, the uh, GR Snap. Right, right, right. I, you know, you go in there to get hot food. There was nothing there to eat because right. nobody was allowing you in there. Right. So though I said, damn, so I got to go hobble to a grocery store. And then I hobble in the grocery store. Then you got people hoarding crap and you can't get food in there. Right, right. So, you know, so even the, even the trying to do canned goods, you, 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 ship, you, you crap out of luck because you can't get any of this stuff. Right. So, but that's, another, that's the other story. But you're right. That, right. uh, that's really overlooked. People don't talk about that much. Right. And so, so the, the situation that played out today, that, that particular brother, mm-hmm. um, two weeks ago, there was another healing march and they held it on the beach. And mm-hmm. I had come there through sort of like a 
middle class hippie ish camp kind of a thing. Right. Um, and then they came to and, they had, and he has all these flags. And mm-hmm. Everybody knows Flag Man. Knows his history. With him. His brother like is, is works with him. So I um, I was you know bumbling along, but mm-hmm. I you know for the healing thing. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to just walk up right when I hear him, the same brother, mm-hmm. saying, you know, my black life didn't matter, yelling it at a group of black life matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what the hell? So I walk over mm-hmm. actually with my audio recorder on, mm-hmm. and I'm like, brother, what's going on? You okay? Like, mm-hmm. what's the deal? And he explained the whole situation, and they had been, they, they came on the thing, mm-hmm. asked him to move. They moved. They asked for a few minutes on the mic to explain why they were doing the thing mm-hmm. with the flag and the thing, thing, thing. And then basically, like, we're told, like, this isn't about you. Like, this is kind of about us. And this is about healing people who've been walking in marches. So while you have your issues, like... Just go on to the side and shut up. Yeah, basically. (laughs) basically. And then they were like, we made a program. Uh That's what they said. We made a program. And there were people allotted to speak. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these were artists, you know, singers who have, like, tons of followers. Mm -hmm. And they've offered to do this for free. This is the response to the brother who lives on the street Mm -hmm. from the young organizer. Mm -hmm. And so they... um, and so yeah, so then they tell him, uh, you know, like we can, and we can just add you into the program mm-hmm. because there was a program. Mm. You feel me? I, so I, 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 so I he's saying like, yeah, but I live here. Right. I'm a resident. I'm a neighbor here. Right. Yeah, I, I get you. You're standing on where I sleep, and like you're and you're talking about Black Lives Matter, and you have something. You've done eight different musical numbers mm-hmm. and had six people read poetry mm-hmm. who don't actually live on this block, mm-hmm. and so. Um, so then what are you replicating mm-hmm. and the design of what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. When you, when your way to do it, yeah. but then they were like, so this is really nuanced stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they came to the block. They okay. did. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and so, but it's like, you know how long you got to be on the block before people really yeah. trust you, fuck with you. Yeah. Cause you don't know what, you know, if these people are, uh, uh, you know, do good as a white saviors or, or whatever they bag is. Yeah. Scammers or, you know, scammers, you know religious, or, religious fanatics and or, things or like what that. what their intentions are to mm. do with you or with your image mm-hmm. or with your whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they come by, like, kind of like, do you want to hop on the mic? It's kind of like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Where you come from? And like, why should I trust you? Exactly. But like that, because that's a necessary survival. Exactly. Tactic. Because that's you on the street. Live. Yeah. But that's not that's not their reality. Mm-mm. They have brands. They're like, you can look me up. You can go to my Instagram or my Facebook. Of course, you can look me up and see my whole background. <laughs> and the brothers like, like they you know, and so and even the artists. These artists have a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to tell the brother. Mm-hmm. And so so like it's that's your there's two the, different cultures at play. A tale of two cities. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they're and they're meeting now mm-hmm. in, this, in this George Floyd moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whose city are we upholding? Mm-hmm. Because are you upholding the other city that mm-hmm. has a schedule and has a thing? Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, Or are you upholding the one where, like, some shit pops off on the block and you stop and you see what's up? Yeah, yeah. And everything that might have been your plan for... I have learned not to make any plans when I'm coming to the block. Exactly, exactly. at 10 o'clock? <laughs> yeah, no, That's very true. Is this, this corner? I was no. just telling someone, I said, you know, it's moment to moment. You could have the best laid plans and then jump... jump Cops jump off or uh, have you up against the wall, take your stuff, and then now you're at zero and you got to start your whole freaking day backwards in order for you to get forward. And it might take you two or three days to just get back to the vibe that you're on before I got fucked up. (laughs) Like when you get robbed and shit, yeah, I know. I know perfectly. Just that one little item that connected a bunch of stuff. Man, I lost my ID and social security card down in Chinatown. And I, this is like over seven or eight times I've lost it. Man, I was so freaking mad because I'd lost it during COVID. And I couldn't get, you know, like the whole, and I'm not from here. Chicago just shut 
down. I mean, there ain't nobody getting giving no birth certificates out. There ain't nobody there. So I'm like, I gotta. I, how am I gonna get this? How am I gonna get a social security card? How am I gonna get my housing? Because I got all of this stuff I need, and I couldn't get it because things are shut down. So now I'm like, ah, so where am I gonna go? You know. So that's so that's another reality that you know. It's a saying that's God that says, "You ever want to get get God to laugh? Tell him your plan. Tell him your plan." Right. <laughs> so I've learned to just be like, "I'm hitting the block later. Mm-hmm. I will see you around." Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. But, and so, and that's that's another thing that's built into a lot of these systems. Exactly. I, we were trying to get one of the sisters into the hotel project room. Key, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got to call you back, mm-hmm. and then you you know, and she don't have a phone, so she's in my phone. She's mm-hmm. Dottie's phone. This young girl from Santa Monica College, mm-hmm. um, who be out on the block helping people. Right. And so you're playing phone tag for five days with so and so in the office because mm-hmm. they have layers of like stuff they need to. Process through. Exactly. Why couldn't you figure out that system if you know I don't got no phone? But then also here's the thing too, like then they get you in there, then there's a whole nother process it's that a you whole gotta process. You got you gotta get wanded like you're in jail, you got you got, got curfew. I mean you and, and the thing is when people tell you all these things and then I had people tell me people going in their rooms taking their stuff and stuff. So it's 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 a whole different reality that people have no idea what's going on. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so that's so that's that's the sort of salt in the wound mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you're sitting on the block. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this happened to him the last week with mm-hmm. a bunch of young people and mm-hmm. artists. Right. And then it happens again. Mm-hmm. And then, and so, like, I was trying to tell the elders, love you too. I was trying to tell the elders this, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, and it's, a, and it's a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. It's very nuanced, right? Yeah. Because they're trying to plan and they're trying to curate and they're trying to bring people in. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was, anyway, I, I can talk all day. I talk too much. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to tell David, which is, is a thing I've dealt with my whole life, so I'm just kind of used to the flow of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I am loud and I'm dramatic and I'm, I'm an artist and I'm passionate and mm-hmm. I scream and mm-hmm. I yell and I cry, mm-hmm. you know, all in five minutes. <laughs> and so, and it's very raw for me mm-hmm. and like not thought out and not planned and not mm-hmm. always respectful even, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there is an expectation that real change is going to come about mm-hmm. without that, mm-hmm. and if that is not a part of mm-hmm. the event, mm-hmm then to a certain extent, the vibe is off. Mm-hmm. If nobody screamed at nobody. Hey, dude. I mean, if nobody, you know, imagine being on the block mm-hmm. for, for four hours yeah. and you only hear one person talking to themselves or screaming. <laughs> you know how out of character that would be yeah. the vibe of the yeah. land that you're staying yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. shameful or embarrassing or, or hurtful experience to a complete stranger. Uh, and, 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 and we base too many of our policy decisions based on that false narrative as opposed to the, 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 the deeper one that we have to uh, sometimes shovel up. Councilmember Barney, I, 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 I'm glad you're saying this because like part of it is like when you break that barrier and it accept help. For example, I just heard uh, yesterday from some of the unhoused communities there are worried and they're in Project Moonkey. And they're getting the news that they're going to be thrown out of Project Moonkey and as they evicted out of it. And that also causes some um, resistance when people do come up and offer help uh, because they can't trust it because they will lose 
some of the things that they are used to survive on the street and then go into this and it's not what they anticipated. How do we, what, what do we do to try to stem the tide? What can we do to address these rumors about Project Blue Tree? Is Project Blue Tree coming to an end? Uh, honestly, I wish I had a more definitive answer for you. Uh, I have heard uh, uh, from some of the service providers that their their funding is limited and is expiring, and that obviously creates a, a lot of the rumors and, and a lot of the fear. Um, uh, then I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, it was in the, the, this morning's paper today as we're recording this Friday, uh, that uh, uh, LASA is about to, to, to ramp up uh, and really wants to expand uh, Project Roomkey. Uh, I think it's an open question. I think, I don't think there's anybody who uh, is, is looking to end Project Roomkey, but I don't know that the commitments have been made to continue it. So there is a, a, a baked in um, uncertainty there and anxiety. <laughs> and, and an anxiety. And I, and I yeah. think sometimes you know, it, it's easy for the, the policymakers, for the bureaucracy to think, okay, well, if the funding expires on X date, as long as we take care of it by X minus one, we're fine. But it, it does impact the decision of someone. Do I leave my community and, and go into this other place? What am I going to lose if, if I do that, one of the things I, 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 I've tried to communicate to, to people that, that, that live in my district, they're often baffled by uh, why someone won't leave an encampment to go to a shelter. And, I've, <laughs> and you know, often I've, I've heard over the past several years, oh, the emergency winter shelter is open. I offered to give somebody a ride and they said, no, see, they, they're service resistant. They want to stay on the street. And I've, I've tried to pivot it and, and explain, you know, a different scenario or a different perspective that um, you are, you're, you're living on the street. You've been traumatized, victimized, had false promises repeatedly to you, suddenly a stranger comes up to you uh, and says, I'm going to take you away from everything that is familiar to you and take you to someplace else. No, you can't bring your dog. No, your spouse can't come with you. Uh, no, you got to leave your belongings here. I'm going to take you someplace else. You don't really know where it is. And, oh, by the way, they're going to throw you out at 6 a.m. Yeah, uh, that's a very different <laughs> thing, and it, it, it's it's why I, I think a, a developing appreciation of that I think is why the city eventually got around to to trying to do bridge housing as opposed to the the the, the emergency winter shelter. Um, but um, I mean, there's you know one of the things. Uh, Can I ask a question about the bridge shelter because uh, because my audience sometimes may not know what bridge oh, shelter sure. is outside of town. So Bridge Shelter is um, a shelter that is designed to get unhoused people off the street, but it's a little bit different um, because they have, I think, uh, they work to try to get them in housing, if I'm correct. Is that, is that the right thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of go broader since yeah, yeah. since your audience may not be as familiar with some of the dynamics yeah. in Los Angeles is, uh, you know, for, from my perspective, historically, uh, Los Angeles, and this may be the case in other places as well, but historically Los Angeles has 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 tried to respond to uh, homelessness with one, maybe two solutions at a time. Uh, 
And uh, for a very long time, the solution in Los Angeles was uh, permanent supportive housing uh, or nothing else, or maybe permanent or permanent supportive housing and may, maybe a limited number of uh, fairly uh, crappy and uh, uh, not particularly good uh, uh, emergency shelters. And uh, w w one of the things I've always tried to do is broaden the, the, the range of, of, of services and options that are being offered. Given that permanent supportive housing is taking forever, we're letting people live and suffer and die on the streets in the meantime, and there, there, there's got to be a better way. So one of the things the city started doing a couple years ago, and it's done it slowly and very expensively, is uh, create uh, what, what we have called bridge housing, which is a series of, of, of I guess, 20 or so uh, different, mostly 100 uh, bed uh, transitional shelters around the city, uh, either trailers or, or, or membrane tents, which are uh, unlike the emergency shelter program, they are 24-7. Uh, uh, they uh, have uh, staffing uh, in place to, to help do housing placement, case management, <laughs> facility storage, you can bring your pets. Uh, and the idea of bridge housing, which has sort of been really upended by, 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 by COVID-19. The idea of bridge housing is that it was supposed to be uh, a place to get you off of the street, out of the encampment, while they're finding something more long-term. And the idea was that you have 100 beds, but over the course of, of, of the year, each bed would serve several people because you'd be moving people through. COVID has, 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 has totally that. Yeah. that a lot. Well, I have a question, too, because um, there's a conversation of people that I never heard of until as it brought to my attention. Um, because uh, when you create bridge shelters, uh, there's things called enforcement zones. And I was wondering, why is this? Why, why? Because, you know, you only have 100 beds and, and how people still magically with over 60,000 unhoused people. Um, if we create these things, where are the unhoused going to go if we create these enforcement zones that because uh, there's been a push with some NIMBYs to reinstitute re police officers and business improvement districts to crack down on that and reinstitute enforcement zones. And for the audience, can you explain what enforcement zones are and how can we, because uh, I feel that's maybe not forward thinking because we got 60,000 unhoused people and we're not magically going to, once we have 100 people in our shelter, that they're not magically going to, especially with the uh, complexities of false promises and, 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 and other things that go on with um, the life of unhoused people. That, could we talk a little on that? Yeah, so uh, when when the mayor proposed bridge housing in his State of the City speech a, a couple of years ago now, uh, the, 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 the way he framed it, the way he proposed it, um, uh, in the way it was was, was pitched to, to communities was uh, you get a a, a, a shelter uh, that will be uh, an alternative to people living in encampments and it, in exchange for the the, the neighborhood uh, taking the, the the shelter because almost every neighborhood pushes back against them as we might <laughs> <laughs> enhanced enforcement uh, uh, cleanup and, and restrictions on camping in the area uh, nearby. Um, and that has been upended by a, a couple different things. One is um, homelessness has continued to 
uh, increase uh, dramatically. Even though, I mean, it certainly doesn't look this way, but even though L.A. City and L.A. County and and Lhasa are housing people at a greater clip than they ever have, uh, much greater clip than they ever have, people are are becoming or re-becoming homeless at a a greater rate uh, than than they're housing. And COVID-19 is exacerbating that dramatically, and we can can see it on on, on the streets everywhere. In in the middle of this, in, in, in March, I think it was... I think it was the last meeting the city council had before we went into stay-at-home orders and started doing Zoom meetings. Um, uh, we, I got the council to agree to follow CDC guidelines, which which said do not enforce uh, the the taking down of, of of tents because CDC Centers for Disease Control says it will actually make the the public health crisis worse. Right before our council recess a couple weeks ago, one of my colleagues uh, tried to slip in an emergency proposal, which wasn't noticed to the public in advance, to uh, uh, change that and begin enforcement again. And I managed on a procedural matter to to derail that until later. It's going to come back up again. Um, You know, we, we, we have consistently got caught L.A. historically in a fight over punitive measures and, mm-hmm. and, and criminalization stuff. Right. Vehicular living or, or, or sidewalk camping or whatever. And uh, there are times when we have at council spent hours, hours discussing the stuff. And, you know, every council member is hearing from from hundreds of people who are saying, my kid can't walk to school because the sidewalks aren't clear. Um, and that's a, that's a legit and a genuine concern. And for people with disabilities, it's a legit and, and, and genuine concern. But, you know, the, 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 the responsible, the effective way to, to, to respond to that is to have uh, as many and as long and as robust discussions about faster ways and less expensive ways to house people than it is to, to keep dealing with the consequence of the, the, the encampments. And, um, but this also a conundrum, Councilman Bonnet, is because even though we, we are trying to do that, they're still the same people that complain about that they can't walk or they feel unsafe for their children. And we say, okay, we, we hear you. We're going to put some places in the neighborhood where they can be, and then they give you and, and the unhoused community uh, pushback even on that. And their solution sometimes can be very dystopian, like flinging us out into nearest the desert and things like that. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's like it's a catch-22. You want to... Um, and I always say this, and I don't always want to, um, and it's maybe an unpopular opinion. It's not all in a city council's fault. It's, it's, and I always say it's the, I want to say in a respect <coughs> that have made the loudest voices and they have connected with the law enforcement who caters uh, to their calls more so than my call. Um, I mentioned in one of my episodes when I was attacked by three. Uh, vigilantes that were housed, and I tried to call the police and, and report them, but I was dis- discounted. But let me fight back, and I was, uh, they could have, they had more of the power to listen to them than they would listen to me. So there is a major uh, 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 imbalance of rights, 
Like, for example, there's a 311 number to call for encampment, or if you want to report about an unhoused camp. But there is no number for what happens when um, a group of a house vigilantes throw a, a bag of crap on a feces on me or, mm-hmm. or try to set me on fire. The only number that they have is 211. So that's also uh, buys into the idea that there is something criminally uh, inherent with unhoused houses. Um, so that's, that's the thing that I noticed is that um, how can we, uh, we shift to an educational point that being unhoused is not a crime? And I think that's one of the things I really would like uh, more council members to really start talking to the NIMBYs about. Stop calling them on, on, on things that they survive with. It's not against the law for an unhoused person to sit in the park. Um, they, they have the right to sit in the park. They have the right to go to the restroom. They, you, you know, because I've had police call on me about that. Now, some dangerous guy just sitting, you know, just sitting, just enjoying my ease like anybody else because they're afraid of the children or the older, uh, the elderly or things like that. So I think that's one of the things that really uh, uh, kind of uh, disappoints me when like, I feel like the enforcement zones, that thankfully that they are being offended. But um, but I'm also kind of concerned about with Judge Carter's uh, movement. And I, for the one audience that's not from California, that there's been some uh, litigious uh, events been going on. And Judge Carter has ruled that un- uh, unhoused members due to the safety issues uh, cannot be over underpasses, uh, overpasses, and nearby within 500 feet. But due to the housing um, and the COVID-19 pandemic, um, where are they going to go? And then, too, if people are trying to re- reinstitute the criminalization um, piece to uh, dealing with the unhoused problem, that's going to uh, make it even worse. And on, on top of that, um, the risk and the eviction, lack of eviction bans and moratoriums that's slowly coming to the end and getting people to be, to be out here over 40 to 45 percent of unhoused uh, people want to be uh, on the streets too. So this is look like we're heading down to a, uh, a train wreck. Uh, that's the better metaphor that I could think of. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how are we going to accomplish this with uh, Judge Carter, Carter giving a deadline in September? Yeah, sure. Um, and it, it, I think it's also important to note for historical context, Judge Carter is the judge who oversaw the uh, the, the, the litigation over the um, uh, encampments in Orange County that uh, uh, wound up forcing cities in Orange County to uh, to build shelters and, and, and put a lot of people uh, in hotel rooms there after some initial concern and some pushback. And has, from, from what I can tell, at least from my perch on the west side of Los Angeles, has been uh, a, a pretty successful. Uh, there, there may be a difference of opinion on that. I haven't heard it, but um, the, the people have gotten into hotel rooms and, and that the, um, people are not dying at the, at, at the rate they were um, on, on the streets. Uh, and Judge Carter is now presiding over uh, a case that, that has been brought, and Judge Carter is very unorthodox. Uh, he, uh, he he calls elected officials late at night. He brings people into the room and sort of is 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 almost like a circus ringmaster trying to get them to make deals on the spot. Uh, he is absolutely intolerant of the well. We'll have to check and get back to you in a month philosophy. He's like, no, I want to know in five minutes. Like, give me an answer. So Judge Carter has um, uh, basically told the city of Los Angeles, you need to get uh, serious about 
uh, uh, getting people off the street. Uh, and uh, he has, for, for whatever reason, focused on the freeway underpasses. I'm uh, not, not a huge fan of, 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 of that approach. Uh, yes, there are health risks underneath the, being that close to the freeway. There are also some, some benefits to being protected from the elements, the rain, the harsh sunlight. Um, and you know, anybody who's living on the street is, is exposed to a series of, 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 of trauma and vulnerability, health and otherwise. And so that wouldn't have been my choice. I also don't have a ton of freeways in my district, so uh, pressure on that doesn't really help me get the resources I need for additional services in my district. Having said that, though, I've, I've spoken to, to the, the, the judge a lot. In fact, I was with him for a couple hours the other day. Um, we met uh, at my office in Westchester, and as I was waiting for him to arrive, one of the Lhasa outreach workers came over and told me that an unhoused guy uh, named Don, who lived outside the door of my office, had passed away about an hour earlier, as, as if to underscore you know, the, 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 the horrible plight and the, the urgent need to act in response to, to homelessness. And London Breed sort of kicked off that in, in San Francisco. Uh, Herb Wesson and a number of my colleagues put in a motion, which I fully support. Um, this, this weekend, uh, 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 BLM is having a big public meeting in, in South LA about the issue where myself and a number of our electeds are going not to talk, but to listen. Um, uh, not just about what the problem is, but what the solution should be and how the alternative should be crafted. Equally important though, and, and maybe in, in, in some ways more so because it touches more people on really a daily basis, is the, the, the intersection of policing and transportation or mobility. Um, you know, whether it's the Metro system, and I'm a board member of Metro, um, or it's, it's, it's LAPD and the city uh, with traffic stops, uh, people who are black and brown are disproportionately targeted by law enforcement for fare evasion or a broken taillight or whatever. Uh, and we, we, we want to end the phenomenon of people getting pulled over for driving while black. And if, if you do not have freedom of movement, on the transit system, walking in your neighborhood, driving across Los Angeles. If you don't have freedom of movement, you don't have freedom. And uh, Mark B. Sarris Dawson, Herb Wesson, and Karen Price and I, with the full support of our Department of Transportation, are trying to uh, create a different model on, on, on how to do that. Uh, we'd be the first, I think, in the country to do it, uh, to get police out of traffic in, enforcement. Uh, but um, we're going to be working with BLM and we're going to be working with Push LA and, and Stop the Stops and, and trying to create something different because we, we, we just need to, you know, it, Melina Abdullah has said it, I mean, we need to reimagine uh, uh, public safety. And, um, you know, if, if now isn't the moment, I don't know when the hell it's going to be. Thank you very much, uh, Council Member Mike Bonin. Um, I, this, my time is almost up on the Zoom. <laughs> um, and I want to thank my listeners who have been watching and listening. Uh, thank you all for listening to this a very impactful conversation that we really need to have. And I hope again we meet in the light of understanding. Thank you again, Council Thank you.
Thank you for listening to episode 29. In order to know where we're going, we must know where we have been. If we destroy every element or every edifice that tells of our stories and our struggles, then we won't know the price that was paid. Thanks to Theodore Henderson from Weedian House. I thank you all for listening. And may we again meet in the light of understanding.